Hello everyone and welcome back to the Football Plug Podcast. This is episode six, which is going to be the last episode in the series, mate. Are you sad? <laughs> season one, mate, finished. Well, in about 35, 40 minutes, season one finished and then we'll be back. Season two, if all goes to plan, Matt, hopefully we'll be doing it together. Well, in person. You know, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? In really? front of a camera as well. That would be something interesting. Get some guests in. Fingers crossed. Fingers, Fingers crossed, crossed. So this week we're going to be chatting our normal weekly roundup of the games just gone. Uh, the next instalment of Jamie Vardy's party. And of course, the final part of Matt versus Jack, who will take home the crown for season one. Stay tuned to find out. Let's get into it, mate. So let's crack on. And we're going to start with a big surprise at the weekend, which was Leeds, Manchester City. And Leeds came out 2-1 winners. Jack, what are, you, what are your thoughts on that? Bit of an upset there. Absolutely, mate. And we know one of our avid listeners, Mr. Grant Urka, he's going to be super pleased with that, him and his boys. Um, when you when you talk about a smash and grab, <laughs> that's the game you think of. But smash and grab or clean win, a win's a win. Three points, three points. Um, and against Manchester City, that does not come very often. And I tell you what, just closes that gap between first and second just by three points, just that little bit. And it's still mathematically possible for us to win the league. You know what? So Leeds and Grant, thank you so much. You've given me a little bit of hope. You literally sound like my brother. He, every time United win, he's literally <laughs> like, yes, we're going to, we could still do it. I'm like, look, you can still do it theoretically, but you ain't going to do it. Yeah, let's not be around the no. bush. We're not doing it. No. But um, it's nice to just have that nice bit of false hope. Do you know what I mean? Anyway, enough about Man United. Leeds. I mean, I mean, fantastic. Bielsa ball. Are you Stuart Dallas? What a player. I know. I, they've done it with a red card in the first half. They certainly did. 29% possession. Two shots on goal. Two goals. That's one of those FIFA games, isn't it? That you lose and you like you throw your controller at the wall. Yeah. And like with City, 29 shots and one goal. It's just like post, crossbar, wide, here, there and everywhere. It just, it just clearly wasn't their day. They weren't ever going to come out with a win. It's Leeds clinical, Man City not clinical, I suppose. Yeah, definitely. And Bielsa, you're doing a great job in the Prem and I'm a big fan of you. So next up, let's have a little look at West Ham Leicester, which finished 3-2 to West Ham. And it's got two of the most informed players in the league at the moment with Lingard scoring two goals and Ian Acho scoring another two goals. Jack, what are your thoughts on this game? Honestly, mate, that was the one of the most exciting games I've ever watched. Um, when did... Uh... West Ham go 3-2 up or Leicester brought it back to 3-2 it was like the 75th minute or something and there was like 15 minutes of constant pressure from Leicester and I was like there is no way they can hold on but they did and it was a fantastic game could you imagine Mark Noble Jared Bowen Lingardinho Moise the Champions League Matt incredible do you reckon they can do it can they hold on to this full spot what what do you think yes yeah I, I think they can I think they're playing so well this season. I honestly, honestly think... I think they're going to need a few results to go their way. Um, they're going to need, you know, Liverpool, um, Spurs, and Leicester as well to, to drop points. And, and they need to pick up points elsewhere. But, you know, stranger things have happened. I think it could definitely happen. Yeah, I mean... With this season, the way it's going, mate, <laughs> anything could happen. They're grinding out the results. I mean, as much as they were, they conceded to, they're scoring three every game. I know people are getting a bit worried. Oh, they keep slipping up. But they're winning the games. And Leicester are a competition. So they're clearly doing they it against the big are. clubs as well. So Let's just chuck a little bit of praise Lingard's way again. That first goal we scored was oh. phenomenal. It, oh. Honestly, it makes me 
makes my heart so happy to see that guy playing so well. He's he actually is quite good, isn't he? He is quite good at football. I hope for his sake at the end of the season he goes either goes to a place that appreciate him or if he stays at United, I hope they I hope they play him because clearly he he's got the talent and he's clearly showing he has, it now. Yeah, so he has. I mean, he is only nineteen still, so <laughs> <laughs> he's a young generational talent, and we'll we'll see where his career goes. Right now, let's slip right down to the bottom of the table, and it's another big win to Arsenal. <laughs> bit, bit, little, just a little couple more positions lower than that. <laughs> oh, that was salty. <laughs> <laughs> Slipping down to West Brom again. 3-0 win at Southampton. That's two wins on the trot. That's a huge win. Eight goals that in the last two games. Huge win. I think pretty sure they've scored eight goals this whole season. Sam, big Sam, he's doing a job now. He knows what he's got to do. Southampton, obviously they did not play a good game. They obviously missed a penalty. Was yeah. not their day. But West Ham again at West Ham, West Brom, coming out there, grinding out the results, banging in the goals. It's like a different team has come and appeared over these last two games. They know what they're fighting for. It's brilliant, and it and it's three points. At the, you know, we keep saying you know, scrappy, confident win. Three points is three points. You you take those. West Brom will definitely take those points. The Manchester United three-one win at Tottenham. Now, obviously, a big talking point in this game, which probably overshone the final result, was the VAR decision, which went against Manchester United, which theoretically kind of went on to Tottenham going 1-0 up. Yeah. I want to I want to say a few things about that game. First of all, we spoke last week like is it a is it a bad thing that United concede first but still sometimes score. And we were saying, well, if you end up winning the game, three points is three points and then lo and behold, the next week it happens again. We concede and then we come back like a different team. We almost come back as like two teams in the second half. It's not many teams can deal with what we produce in the second half, which is kind of frustrating. It'd be nice if that was from minute one, but hey-ho. So, the McTominay and Son incident. Um, sometimes we talk about things that if it goes for you, you're happy, and if it goes against you, you're not happy. I think if Rashford had gone down, like Son had gone down uh, by the arm of um, Ndombele or something like that, I would have been furious at Rashford. I think it was I think Son's behavior was like unexcusable, like ha- that's embarrassing. Like I wouldn't I wouldn't if I was a professional footballer, I wouldn't be able to do that. I would be so morbidly embarrassed. If I watched match of the day that that night, I'd be so embarrassed. I'd never want to play football again. Yeah, like there's no doubt there's contact and it's to his face. There's no con- there's no doubt about either of those things. However, the way he went down it was literally like someone's in the stand and just took a shot at him with a, like a That's sniper. like a headshot, yeah. It's like he's just gone down like, and that was the end of it. And I think for Mourinho to come out after the game, try and defend him and say that it was a foul, I, he's just deluded. That is just a deluded thing to say. Do you, do you hear him say that Pogba should have got sent off? Yeah. I, I mean, I, okay, it, you know, admittedly, um, Pogba sent an elbow to, I can't remember who it was, Um he sent an elbow someone's way and it wasn't too pretty. Like, Son should have been sent off for that reaction because that was dreadful. Football's a contact sport. We're now, it is a contact sport. Are we now going to that point where we're soon just going to say it's not a contact sport and it's everything's a foul, a little touch on the... It feels like it's going that way and I, I personally don't think VAR is helping the game at this moment. I think it needs to be taken back out and had a good look at 
some mm. rules need to be needs a rejig, doesn't it? Yeah, it needs it needs a black and white. It needs a you know one and two, like a definitive answer. Because I think I'm sure most people listening know why VAR comes in. VAR comes in if the referee, if if the VAR referee thinks that the on-field decision is a clear and obvious error. Now, I don't think there was a clear and obvious error there. You know, McTominay's not punched Son in the face like or jabbed him in the neck. It's just a tiny bit of contact that the referee's not seen, not blown up for. And then because of the meal that Son's made out of it, it gets brought back. And, I mean, the goal that was scored, like, oh, what a goal that was. Yeah. Like, the little little feint from Pogba, Nutmeg, the defender, and then Cavani nutmegs Lloris. It is, mate. The, the game... The game's not going, mate. The game's gone because, you know, I'm speaking about this hot-headedly, but you ask a Chelsea fan, an Arsenal fan, a City fan, a Liverpool fan, a West Ham fan, this happened to them two or three times this season, an unjust decision... Now, I used to think that VAR was good because I used to be like pro VAR because I thought, you know, let's take offside decisions, for example. People say, oh, we're losing the in line or we're, you know, losing the, given the attacker the benefit of the doubt. But whether something's a quarter of a millimetre offside or 20 yards offside, it's still offside. Like, that's the rule. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Whether it's a tiny bit, whether it's marginal, whether those lines need to come out or it's clear, offside's offside. You know, th- what's the point in making it, oh, it's nearly onside, so we'll give it to him. So when decisions like that are made, because there is a clear and obvious error, that's fine. I'm all for that. But when the decisions are actually wrong, like, like flat out wrong, that changed the game for the worse, then, you know, that's where I think the game is gone. And, and what, what do you reckon about that? I think it just, VAR, I agree with what you're saying with offsides. And again, if like to go back a few years when Frank Lampard scored against Germany and the goal went over the line, it didn't yeah. happen. Perfect for that kind of thing with goal line technology as well. But like VAR and the situation that happened the other day, you're giving the power to a referee who sat in a studio watching it on his TV, who can't mm. see the flow of the game, can't see the speed of the game, can't really... He, he can obviously watch and be a... He's a, basically a spectator, like me and you, watching the football game. He hasn't got the positions or anything like that. So I, it's not fair for him to be, have that much power. Give him the offside power. Great. That's something that does mm. need to be looked at. I just don't think it's right at the minute. There's And referees all have different opinions. So I don't know how they're ever going to get VAR to be s- stone rules at the moment. The, what, one way that I did think of... Now, obviously, if someone in the uh, Stockley Park, isn't it, which is where VAR... If someone in Stockley Park uh, judges a decision to be a clear and obvious error, that's still down to his um, his thought. That's his personal thought, right? It's Yep. So... so the way to make it fair across the board is maybe there is one singular VAR referee that does every single game. That way, the the mindset, the thought, the opinions on what is a clear and obvious error, whether he thinks that bit of contact is enough for the referee to go back and look, that's the same across the board. Do, do you see what I mean? Like, you know, Michael, if Michael Oliver's doing it one week, he's going to have a difference of opinion to Mike Dean. 
Yeah, no, but I if, agree. if Bob did it for every single game, then his opinion is constant throughout every Premier League game. Do you, do you see what I yeah, mean? Yeah, no, definitely. There definitely needs to be some sort of consistency, and obviously that would be a way of bringing in the consistency, and that's something they are going to need to look at. Someone or a two people who are definitely going to be like, I will do every single game this weekend. I will do every single game this weekend. Just so that's it, it is mate. Yeah. consistent. That's all it needs to be. But we won. Absolutely. We won three one. We turned it around. We scored some fantastic goals. Pogba was instrumental but he was a maestro in that midfield Cavani was incredible uh when Greenwood came on he was electric I think Fred, Fred and Fred, McTominay yeah Fred has been brilliant. a real revelation I think of this season compared to what he has been over the last couple of seasons he's a completely different player yeah. Pogba so um he's drifting oh. out on the left hand side as well he's doing a shift on the left I'm, I'm liking it <laughs> So now we're heading over to your favourite part of this podcast. And of course it is Jamie Vardy's party. Now Jack and I have both picked one person each this week. And I'm going to start off and I'm going to go straight for Neymar. Now obviously this week they had a not so great result against Bayern Munich. They lost 1-0. However, they did qualify for the semi-finals of the Champions League. Now all week Kimmich had been saying how much Bayern Munich were a better team. They're so much better than PSG and all these little things to get inside their head. And after the game, Neymar, I don't know if you saw on telly, his celebration may as well have been a millimetre from Kimmich's face. He screamed nice. screamed in his face, hugging all of the players around him, pretty much following Kimmich around the pitch, screaming. And I feel like this is something Jamie Vardy would appreciate. So my hat in the pot is Neymar. Love that. Love that. Mine is of a similar vein. Um, we have a listener of this podcast, Mr. Joshua Packham. Uh, okay. An avid, avid Bradford City supporter. Um, and as you may or may not know, Matt, I'm from Crawley. And listeners, I'm from Crawley. So, I, you know, I saw support Crawley Town as well. Crawley Town have a player called uh, Josh Wright, who, yes, is the brother of Mark Wright, who also plays for Crawley. Um, Josh Wright being, and actually a good footballer, Mark Wright. <laughs> Mark Wright's Mark Wright. Um, so this Josh Wright used to play for Bradford and he got he got shunned out of the team really he spent he spent a while there a few performances but he wasn't really a fan favorite and he got a bit of a cold reception when they went to Valley Parade on um last night actually Crawley won 2-0 and um Josh Wright had a fantastic game so much so that he was throwing elbows around to the Bradford City midfielders and <laughs> screaming and shouting at staff and and setting up Crawley's first goal. Now that is enough shithousery. But just to add something to the mix. After the game. He tweeted so many times with winky faces and laughing faces. And tweets like. Oh that was good fun to be back. And um, it got a pretty raucous reception from the Bradford City fans. On social media. Um, so my hat in the pot this week mate. Is Josh Wright from Crawley Town. For being a top house. Do you know what? We're just taking it down. Let's take it down to that League Two. Not only has he done it on Josh the Wright? pitch, he's also gone home and clearly carried it on. I he's love opened that. up his iPhone. He's gone on Twitter and he's just outpoured <laughs> housery. So I love it. That I think it goes to him. Josh Wright. Josh yeah, Wright. Josh you're Wright. going to Jamie Vardy's party. Congratulations, Woo! mate.
Alright then, pal, moving on to one of my favourite sections, actually. I'm a, I'm a bit of a stat nerd about football. I love I love in-depth stats um, or crazy stats that you wouldn't really believe. So, I want to hear yours first this week, mate. Okay, yours. so I went away and had a little look around at some crazy stats and I decided to go for the football game with the most cards. Now, this Ooh. game uh, is a game uh, which FIFA hosts. It's a FIFA tournament in Russia. And it was a round of 16 match. And the referee was Valentin Ivanov. Sorry for the pronunciations, Great referee. if that's yeah. wrong. Great referee. He issued 16 yellow cards and <laughs> four red cards. 20 cards in total. Nice. So there was two players that didn't get cards. And I'm assuming they're probably the, the goalkeepers. goalkeepers. <laughs> I mean, he could have given them to the, the managers. I don't know who. It could have been subs. Oh, I yeah. Think. Like staff can get them. Oh, yeah. 20 cards. Is now that ridiculous. is a raucous game. Imagine if you put like ten quid on over four and a half cards. Yeah, that'd be hashtag bet responsibly. Yeah. <laughs> um, what's your stat, Jack? My stat is, mate. Um, again, back close to home for me. Who remembers the midfielder for Manchester United, Anderson? Yes. Remember him? It's his birthday today, I think. I think. Oh, was, yeah, I think it was yesterday, or I think it was yesterday. It's like thirty-three years old or something like that. While he was at United, um, he was sort of. He sort of played in that midfield in that, you know, semi, semi golden era. Yeah. You know, we won quite a few FA Cups, and and there were, I believe there was a Champions League. I think he played in a Champions League and a few league titles, a few league cups and stuff. But my stat is, Anderson. He was an average midfielder. He was an average player. He, he was all right. He averaged a major trophy every twenty games. Mental. That is mental, isn't it? Imagine that. Like, oh yeah, 20 games have gone by, trophy. Oh, another 20 games, trophy. When you've got players who don't win one through their whole career. That is <laughs> that's, oh. crazy. That is stat padding from Anderson. Okay, so a few weeks ago, we spoke about underrated players. Um, and it caused a bit of a stir in our social medias and, and with our... That was when Josh was on, wasn't it? That one. It was. Um, we had a, we had a few good discussions, and this week we're going to talk about overrated players. Now, I reckon this will cause even more of a stir. Some of the things we're about to say, but we've got our reasons. And an overrated player doesn't mean that they're bad. They could be a good player. They're just not as good as people think they are, or their fan base thinks they are. So. Without further ado, Matt, hit us with the first bombshell. Please, please, please do not shoot me down. But I'm going. Uh -oh. I'm going big. Pele. <coughs> Excuse me. Right. As in the, the as in Pele as in as in as in Mr. Pele Brazilian Pele whatever you want to call him Pele Pele yes Pele. Right, right. Now these are just my personal opinions, right? So he obviously has fantastic stats. He says that he there's four five hundred and forty one goals in five hundred and sixty club games. That is phenomenal. Now I look and he comes out and he says he said before that Messi and Ronaldo aren't as good as him. Specifically Ronaldo. He said they're not he's not as good as him. However, Ronaldo for me, Ronaldo's goal scoring record has come against Barcelona. It's coming against all of these top European teams. My opinion of Pele is he's done all of this fantastic stuff for Santos. Yeah, against Fluminese and Gremio and 
that other Brazilian teams that I don't know the name of. Yeah, and obviously when his era, and obviously everyone says that we've now got Messi and Ronaldo, but that period, oh, that was Pele and Maradona. I don't think you can ever class him as good as Maradona and the quality he had for the simple no. fact of he never done it on the European stage. He might have come over and proved me wrong. And until, well, he obviously can't do that, but he never <laughs> did that, which is why I can't ever say he is as good as he thinks he is. I think part of it is he thinks he is as well because he, he loves himself and says Ronaldo's not as good as him. Maradona's not as good as him, but I disagree with it. Okay. So my first player, mate, I'm going to upset a good friend of mine, Sam here. Uh, Callum Hudson-Odoi. He's good. But I think that's where we draw the line with Callum Hudson-Odoi. He's not the well-beater that we thought he'd be, or Chelsea fans thought he'd be. I mean, he's young. Is he 21, maybe 22, 23? I'm not really too sure. Um, You know, he's not in his prime yet. But, you know, there are other players a lot younger than him that will be in their prime for bloody 10, 15 years. You know, yeah. Foden, Bellingham, Sancho. Um, he is just so far off that level. What do you reckon? Joe, I, I would agree with that. And I think what makes me say it even more is that it has been this build-up over the last few years of he is England's next big winger. He's the next big this, that and the other. And I'm still waiting. And I keep seeing, obviously, these rumours that Bayern Munich want to buy him for 50 million. I'm like, until I see something from him, they that's just not Yeah, that okay. can't happen. <laughs> I've never... I, he's, I've seen him play really well, but he, I don't think he's got this amazing quality already. He's got potential. That is what I think. I'm going to throw another one at you, Matt. Okay. Again, this is one is a controversial one. And I'm talking recent times here. Someone said... Uh, we got this from someone on Instagram. Um, Tiago for Liverpool. Um... Now, obviously, this season, I don't think anyone can argue. He's been a bit crap. Like, everyone might have made a few nice forward passes, but the majority of them have been back to Kabak or sideways to Wijnaldum. He's 377 thumbs up per game. Um, <laughs> has he scored a goal? I don't, think he's scored. I don't think he's assisted one. He's won one game at Anfield. Um, however... Can we say that he's overrated because he was so exceptional at Bayern Munich? I'd... So are we saying that for Bayern Munich, definitely not overrated, but at Liverpool, very overrated? I would say not overrated at all for the simple fact of, I think, when players come to the Premier League, it is a massive change. It's, it's different gravy, it isn't is it? A... It's different gravy. So you can't expect someone to come in and be a world beater straight away. You look at players like Falcao, who came over. One of the best strikers in the world at the time. He came over and he didn't have the best time here. But I wouldn't have said he was overrated at the time because he's, he was just a phenomenal player. And I think it's the same with Thiago. It just hasn't clicked and I feel like he just needs a bit of time. It's going to need time, isn't it? Yeah, it's going to need time. Right, guys, I, I'm staying with what we are now as well. And I'm going to go for Marcelo, who is the left back for Real Madrid. Now, a lot of you are going to be like, oh, he's won lots of trophies. He's been there, one of the best left backs in the world. I would agree with that at some points in his career. My thing is, has he only been that good because he had Ronaldo with him? Because since Ronaldo left... And Sergio Ramos and Kroos yeah. and Modric and... 
I, he's barely made the team over the last Benzema three years. Benzema and Bale. And... Yeah. I personally don't think... I think Ronaldo did a lot of work for him. Um, On that left-hand side yeah, of him. Yeah. Which is why he performed so well. And I've got some stats. 532 games. 41 goals. That's sort of not bad. Not bad. 100, 100 assists. Not bad. That's pretty good. But for the one of the... Well, apparently the best left-back in the world over the last 10 years... I'm not sure. I think that's a bit overrated, personally. Yeah, I suppose if you if you gave Andy Robertson another five years, he'll pass those numbers. Yeah, definitely. Now I'm going to throw out the one that makes all Liverpool fans cry, and that is Bobby Firmino. And I feel quite strongly about this, and my Liverpool fan friends know this. I do not think he is as good as you think he is. I think he's very, very average, and I do not care what he does off the ball I do a lot off the ball for Manchester United I do a hell of a lot off the ball for Manchester United (laughs) but I also do all on the ball like he does as well I think this sexy white toothed Brazilian centre forward (laughs) should be scoring you so many more goals than he does but he doesn't because in my opinion he's overrated I'm, I'm split now if you'd asked me this last year I would have said 100%. However, this season, the reason I think differently is because I feel like Lacazette has been playing a similar role for Arsenal, kind of playing, dropping back a little bit, being that like false nine position. But he's still scoring goals. Oh yeah, he's he's scoring goals. And I feel like but well, I feel like his job is similar to Firmino and I've seen I can now see why Liverpool fans appreciate him more because he does do so much off the ball, creates that space in behind for Mane and Salah. And I think we spoke about this before, and I've I've never disagreed with that. I can, you know, I'm not an idiot. I can watch a football game and, and I can see when a player's doing something. But but I get from Liverpool fans that he is world class. And he's not. He is not world class. If he was world class, he'd score twenty your centre forward, your striker. I don't care if he's not really made for that position. Um, he should be scoring 20 goals a season. And he's not. He's scoring six. Yeah. Seven. Okay. If we, I think I think he's overrated in Liverpool fans' eyes. I think generally around the world, I don't think he's overrated. But for Liverpool fans, they, yeah, definitely overrate him. Okay then, Matt. The time has come. The end of the series... The final instalment of Matt versus Jack. Now, again, this week we're going to be doing a guest the player, but we're going to be given three questions. The first question will be fairly hard. The second question, a little bit easier. The third question, a fair giveaway. Now, if you get the player in the first question, you get three points. Second question, two points. Last question, one point. Pretty simple, Matt. Understand the rules? Absolutely, and I'm ready to win. Uh, I'm ready for the game. Oh my god. Right then, Matt. It's your turn to guess the player first. Are you ready for your first question for three points? Now remember, if you think you got it in the first question, uh, you have to say the player's name. Yep. And then you'll hear the second question. If you still think it's that player, you already had it from the first question, so you'll get the three points. That's pretty self-explanatory, yeah? Okay, are you ready for your first player, Matt? Bring it on. Okay. So this player was born in Pauli in 1978. Uh, I'm going to guess at the minute. 
I might as well just throw a name out there just to get Eric Cantona. Nice. Okay. Okay. This player scored 85 Premier League goals, mostly wearing a blue kit and a red kit. Um. Okay. I haven't got a different name coming to mind, so I'm going to stick with that just in case I want the three points, but I don't think it is. Okay. Now, I feel like if you know this next thing, it gives the player away straight away. But if you don't know the thing, Could be difficult. then maybe it's a bit of a tough question. Okay. Um, in 2014, this player, this is towards the end of his career, um, was the first big marquee player in the Indian Super League. The first big marquee player in the Indian Super League. So just to go over, Matt, you've got a... French player because he was mm-hmm. born in Paris yep. in 1978. He scored 85 league goals. Yeah, for for various teams, but you'll mostly know him for the teams that played in blue and red. Yeah, and if just to give you a little bit more of a clue, I uh, think I these two teams went red then blue, not blue then red. Yeah, it was red uh... then blue. Then it was the first big marquee signing for the Indian Super League. The only name that springs to mind, I'm not sure if it's right, is... Oh, oh, I don't even know. It's, too, it's Nicholas Anelka, I'm going to guess. In 2014? I know. That's what's, that's what's doing me. But I can't think of anyone else who went to the Indian League. Okay. To be fair, I think I only know this fact because I, you know, I knew about that Indian Super League because, you know... Well, you'll know why in a second. Uh, so, are you going with Nicholas Anelka? Yeah, that'll be my guess. I'm afraid, Matt, you haven't scored any points. Oh. The player is... Louis Saha. Oh my! Do you remember him yeah. going to the Indian Super I d- League? I, d- I don't remember him going, but the other facts. It was make like sense. thirty-eight, thirty-nine. Wow! And it was just like a big story that he went to the Indian Super League for like ridiculous money. Oh like they gosh. were paying him outrageous money, and he set up like some companies over there. I don't know. if I just remember these facts for some reason. So uh, unlucky, Matt. That oh. was your first player, Louis Saha. Right. Okay. So. Jack, your first question or first fact about this person. I started my career at West Ham in 1965. Yeah, baby. Okay. Uh, West Ham, 1965. Now, 1965. I'm thinking 1966. World Cup winner. So, I'm going to say it's probably going to be one of the big boys from the World Cup winning team. And I know that... Bobby Moore played for West Ham, but then he was also West Ham's captain. So would he have been a captain when he started his career? Um, okay, yeah, for now, I'm just going to say Bobby Moore. Okay. I think that's going to be my, my guess. Number two. After retirement, I took charge of AFC Bournemouth as my first managerial role. Um. Now another name has come into my mind, but okay. do I then stick with Bobby Moore? Do you want the three or the two? Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with with Bobby Moore. Okay. Yeah. And I think you'll get it from number three. I managed my son at Bournemouth and Southampton, and gave my nephew his debut at West Ham. Well, it's not Bobby Moore then, is it? Is there is there any years attached to this? I haven't got any years down, no. Bagger. This whole managing your son and giving nephews um, 
their first appearances. That sort of rings a bell for someone. But I can't really remember who, so I'm I'm just going to stick with Bobby Moore. Round one for you was Harry Redknapp. Oh, of course it was. Oh. I thought the son and the nephew bit would have given it away. That's probably where it was ringing a bell. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. It would have been Jamie Redknapp at Southampton. He gave the debut, wasn't it? He, he gave his debut to Lampard, but he managed uh, yeah. Jamie at Bournemouth and Southampton, yeah. Oh. Well, it, it's... That's really bad. That's poor. Yeah. It's tough. It it's is definitely hard. tough. I think the first two questions throw you off for that third one. That definitely did throw me off. But we're at nil-nil going into round two. Okay then, Matt. Round two. Your second player. So I started my career in Gaelic football. Uh, oh, I don't know. Uh, let's go Aidan McGeady. Okay, second fact. I was considered bargain of the Premier League era at just £60,000. <laughs> um, oh, Premier League era. Let's go. Uh, Jeff Hendricks. I'm <laughs> just trying to think of Irish players. I famously broke my leg horrifically in 2017. Who broke their leg in 2017? Right, am I in an in, is is an international match? Okay, I'm just trying to think of an right Gaelic football. Sixty thousand, sixty thousand. Yeah, that this this is um when when people talk about him, this is brought up loads. Like he's been such a stay at this club, and such a fantastic servant, a fantastic player, and he only cost them this much. Like it's like think how much he would be worth yeah. now. Right. I've got a name in my head who broke their leg, but I don't know what year it was. But they're Irish. I'm gonna guess at Seamus Coleman. That's the only player in my head who's I could think who's broke their leg in Irish, but I feel like it might have been before twenty seventeen, but it's the best I've got. Seamus Coleman. Lock it in. Matt, that's one point. Very well done. Ooh. It is Seamus Coleman. He started oh. his career in Gaelic football. He's considered the bargain of the Premier League era at just 60,000 yeah. quid. And he snapped his leg horrifically in 2017 in a nil-nil friendly, yeah. international friendly. No, I remember that. I didn't realise it was 2017. Very well done, mate. Thank you. Um, this I find this quite tough, so that might yeah. have just got you the win. I don't know. Let's find out. Here we go. Right, Jack. Question one. I broke the world record transfer fee for a player in tw- in 2000, costing £37 million. Damn. So, the world record transfer fee in 2000 at £37 million. Okay, I think... I'm just gonna. I get to throw a name out here, and then yep. if I if it's still the same name, I think in the second I can I can guess. Gotcha. Oh, I'm gonna say Alan Shearer. Okay. I moved from Barcelona to Real Madrid to join yeah, the Galacticos. Okay, so this is not Alan Shearer. Then. <laughs> that might not be the transfer. 
But yeah, they moved from Barcelona to Real Madrid to join the Galacticos. Okay, I'm going to change that to Raul. Okay. Uh, is that who I'm thinking of? No, it's not. Sorry. Luis Figo is actually the person I'm thinking of. Okay. Not Raul. Number three. I am a Portuguese right winger. <laughs> oh my god, I've just snaked you the victory overall. <laughs> I'm thinking Raul. No, that's not what I'm thinking. I'm 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 literally thinking of Luis Figo in my head, but saying Raul. When you said uh, Raul, I was like, I've, I've won it. I've won. Um, I'm afraid, Matt. Yeah, I I think I'm right with with Luis Figo. The correct answer is Luis Figo. And do you know how I know that? Um, I watched a Luis Figo documentary during the first lockdown last year and his um it's a really good documentary actually all about that transfer from Barca to Madrid and how he was like he was hated in the yeah. Catalan region of, of Barcelona like an absolute traitor he said he would never move then I don't think they gave him the contract he wanted and he just like almost walked out himself yeah. and just like begged Madrid back to go to Madrid and when he was unveiled at Madrid he was this new king and the hostility he got at Mental. the Camp Nou after that yeah so I've absolutely just snaked that 2-1 which which gives me the win of the whole series Matt, of Matt versus Jack series one I am the winner how does it feel to um, not win Matt I, w- I was going to be upset but I feel I I've, I I'm going to give it to you. That was a good, a good pull. If I'm yeah, honest, man. that was a good pull. I was, I was expecting you to be fair to say Ronaldo because obviously he played for Barcelona and Madrid as well. He did. So he was thinking in my head, but then I was like, nah, I think I can remember Luis Figo being a world record transfer as well. So yeah, congratulations, Jack. Um... The, <laughs> the sad clap. <laughs> well, that's it, Matt. We have come to the end of the entire season. Six episodes all wrapped up. We've talked a lot about football, a little bit, of, not much about VAR. I thought we'd talk a lot more about that. We've talked a lot about our clubs, overrated players, underrated players, women's football, ollie out, ollie in, clop in, clop out, um, shake it all about, do the hokey cokey. <laughs> that turned into a song there, didn't it? And Matt's just currently on the other side of the camera just pissing himself. Um but it's been wicked, mate. Have you enjoyed yourself? Yeah, it's been really good fun. It's nice to be able to chat to someone about football, not just think all these things in your head and have a moan after a match of the day. Absolutely, and it's, we've been nice, um, you know, communicating with um, some viewers, uh, some listeners, I mean, on like social media, like Instagram stuff. People have been super involved and uh, they seem to be loving the podcast. So we are going to take uh, a few weeks break and we're going to be brainstorming ideas and hopefully... We're going to be back not only on Spotify, but on YouTube as well um, with episodes filmed live, put on YouTube as a video as well with some beers in front of us, with some guests and make it a proper football talk show. How does that sound, Matt? That sounds like the best day ever. A couple of beers, talk about football, done. So if you do have any topics of discussion that you desperately want us to talk about, maybe you're a Stockport fan and you want us to in-depthly look at Stockport season or the Albanian third division anything if there's any topics you want us to discuss or you have a good opinion on then make sure you email us on footballplugpodcast at gmail.com or you can get in touch via our social medias which is 
at the Football Plug Podcast. That's on Instagram and Facebook. So get in touch with any topics, any places you think we can record the podcast for the next season, which will be coming in a few weeks' time. But other than that, I guess it's time to say goodbye for a while, Matt. So, Matt, it's been a pleasure. I'm sure we'll be speaking, but uh, you won't be speaking to the listeners. So um, say goodbye. Goodbye and thank you all for your support. And we hope to speak and hear from you soon. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Very good, Matt. Thank you very much for all your listens, all your shares, all your support. We'll be back soon. See you later.